Amen. Hey, you may be seated this morning. If you're a kid today, kindergarten through fifth grade, and you want to go party like 1999, well, Mr. Daryl's in the back and he's leading the gang. Y'all are going to do some more fun and exciting things than read a bunch of Bible verses, which is what everybody in the club in here is about to do. I can tell you that. We got a passage of Scripture if we ever have had a passage of Scripture. In fact, if you have your Bible, we're going to jump into this today. John chapter 6. Because we're trying to not spend the rest of my entire life in the Gospel of John, we will finish chapter 6 today, okay? So we we hit uh, verses 1 through 21 last week. If you want to hear that, you can go to Spotify, where we have a podcast there now, or you can listen to audio from anything we're doing. Also, you can go to our website, and we have castbox.com connected to it, and you don't have to have any app, and you can just go to the website and listen to the audio. And so we're going to be in John chapter 6. Verses 22 through 21, while you're finding your place there, um, Jesus has an authority that is other than simply because He can do something like, say, I am God. Right? That, that right off the get-go is pretty impressive. And He's always been, the what He declares, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And John has declared that God has sent His eternal Son in the flesh, the Creator in the flesh, and here He is. And that's why Jesus does things that are trippy cool, right? right? That's how He can tell a storm to just knock it off. Don't you wish you could have done that this week? Like literally like ice, that's enough. Literally been trying to get my mom's plumbing leak fixed, but they're going to have to snake it in from the roof. So literally there's a toilet that's been pulled and we couldn't snake it that way. And he's like, man, this is just going to have to melt. And I'm like, it's never melting, right? So where is Elsa, right? Anyways, whole nother thought. So when Jesus says, thou shall and thou shall not, these aren't Jesus crushing the ethos of what he wants you to, you know, Jesus is not a killjoy. He's not taking this from you. He is giving us an invitation to life. The way, the one who actually made life to be. And now it's exciting because we've also talked about some things though that we've got to check that are not so exciting. Like that people can be game for Jesus and His authority that He has, which is other than, until it confronts wrongly held beliefs. People that are most often offended by Jesus are religious people. And the reason they are offended by Jesus is because he's showing them you're pursuing something that was never meant to be pursued by God. God didn't have it over you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to see it. He wants you to relax in his presence. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says things like, come to me, who all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the only people that get offended by this are people that are saying, Listen, I know what I believe, and I'm walking out and I'm doing everything, all I know how to do in complete obedience to the way I can do it. And here Jesus is saying, that's never good enough. That's why I've come. Because I am God's gift of goodness to you, and I want you to see it. Now, how do we know that? You say, well, Lee, that just sounds like a bunch of preacher talk. I don't know what you're getting at. Where do you get that? Out of the Word of God. Well, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 6, let's read it. 
John chapter 6, we're going to read this, and I'm just going to tell you to make note, and please know I am not about to preach this verse by verse for your own moment. But I am going to bring us into sections from it. But I think it, it literally doesn't... Anybody not read Scripture sometimes because you're like, I don't have time? And we think like it's going to take forever. When you can really read like the letter of Ephesians or Philippians, and like... 12 minutes. Some people literally, some men can't get out of the bathroom quick enough. Literally, that's how quick you can read some of the Scriptures, okay? It's going to be okay. Breathe. And let's read it. Verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with His disciples, but that His disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had been eaten bread after the Lord had given thanks. And so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor His disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Thank paparazzi. Literally, can't get enough of this dude. He keeps doing all kinds of stuff. Where is he at? Well, allegedly, his guys went in a boat. Allegedly, he didn't get in the boat. Allegedly, we should find a boat. And allegedly, we should go find him. Right? That's what they're doing. They're just can't get enough. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do? to be doing the works of God. You might underline verse 28. It's okay to write in your Bible. Verse 29. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him um, on whom He has sent. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. You might write in your Bible, mic drop. That's a definite mic drop. We'll come back to that mic drop later on. Verse 33, For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give me this bread always. Hey, what you're talking about? Wonderful idea. Where do we do it? Let's do it always. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in him or in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and all whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Aren't you glad that testimony is true? That's what we've been singing about. Read verse 31. So the Jews grumbled about Him. Men know what this is like. It's like likened to your first years of marriage. When you don't understand what you should do, and you experience grumbling, right? Like, you know you've done wrong, right? That Jesus has done no wrong. And here they grumble. And he says this, 
about him because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They said, it is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets that they will all be taught by God. And everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God, and he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that, no man, so that uh, one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for this life is the, of the world is my flesh. And then verse 52. Now they're really getting turned up in here. In verse 52, the Jews disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, and this is one of those, hey Jesus, this is not a church growth sermon. I don't know what we're doing here. But look what he says. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Yeah, okay. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And as the living Father has sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught it at Capernaum. Now here's what I want you to get. I love it when I see people go, you know, I mean, I just appreciate Jesus because he always said good, gracious things and never said anything. All his things made sense. Have you read John chapter 6? That tells me they really haven't looked at the Scriptures honestly. That's a weird passage. If I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't have a Bible growing up. If I'd have heard this as one of my first sermons, man, I'd have sat back for a minute. Now, we have a full picture, though, and we're going to talk about this, about what Jesus is really driving home here. And when you get it, you'll go, ah, oh, I get it. He's stirring them, and He's stirring them because He's trying to literally shake out the pocket change of bad religion. And the only way He knows to do it is to turn the world upside down. Right? Look at verse 50. Well, 60, let's finish this. And when many of His disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Uh, Jesus, we've been riding with you for a while. You're telling us to eat you. Verse 61. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was those who would betray Him. And He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to Me unless it is granted Him by the Father. After this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. Jesus thins the group. Totally cool with it. Look at verse 67. 
So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Jesus does so many things in this text. It is loaded. I just want to point us into like four landing spots to help us think about this text maybe afresh and anew. So let's talk about some highlights. First of all, back in chapter 6, verse 27 uh, and 29, these guys hear Jesus talking and almost prematurely, right? You ever hear somebody like, you know, tell you something and you want to sign up for it, but you still really didn't listen to the full thing and like what you're signing up for? That's kind of what you got going on here. Jesus says, this is what I'm going to do. Son, do it. We love it. We love it. We just saw the bread thing. That Lon John Silver's meal, feeding 5,000, that was a cool trick. We're in. We want in. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Listen. 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 Linda, listen. We can't talk like that. And we feel the safest in this place because it's like, just tell me what I must do. Jesus, if, if, if I'm getting invited to this, you know, all you really got to do, hey, thank you for doing what you're doing. You're, you're a special guy, Jesus. Tell me what I must do. And Jesus says, this is the work of God. Believe in me. I'm looking for you to believe in me. That's a powerful thing because here, Jesus is saying, it's not about Christian doing it's about Christian believing. It's, a, it's about trusting. You ever seen people do trust falls? And then you ever seen people do trust falls, but there's nothing to fall back to, right? There's that moment. Trust is a hard thing. Trust is a hard thing because you don't know how many times you've had your friends say, trust me, and then you can't trust them, right? And Jesus is saying, just trust me and believe me. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Come into relationship with me. That's what I'm looking for. Let me ask you a question this way for us in our context. Does your Christian doing spring from your efforts or the abiding presence of Jesus? And there is a drastic difference here. If you think that Lee Kemp is leading you for you to feel stressed out and for you to do more so that you can become and seen as a godly person, you're missing it. I'm telling you, we have got to come into a relationship with Jesus who is not dead, but alive, who has ascended to the Father and He's coming again. And Daryl and I were praying and I just even said, Lord, why don't you just come back before I have to talk about this stuff today? That'd be cool. Right? Like literally, that is where we are in this continuum of, of salvation and redemption. And my Christian doing, God doesn't want flowing from this effort, from, uh, from this like strength of Lee. And in fact, I would say if you're obeying God because of a pressure on the outside, you have what I would call religion. What Christianity is, is this power of God working on the inside. God changing, as the prophet Ezekiel said, um, your heart of stone made into the heart of flesh. You start caring about things. Our faith, it's not abstract. I mean, I, I like abstract art because I'm like, literally, I could do it too. 
Like, I, I mean, I don't know what, you look at a Picasso painting, you're just like, listen, give me a few liquids of courage and let me have a paintbrush. I'll give you something too, right? That's what it kind of looks like. It's a, oh, it's an abstract thought. Listen, Christianity is not abstract. It, it, it has a coherent object at its center and it's Jesus. Amen. That is it. Like that, 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 I want you to hear it. Like, this is it. It's not abstract. Like, it's clear. Well, I just wish, you know, the Lord would make it easy for me to understand. He has. He literally is saying, I am the bread from heaven. And you and I, we're not just people of faith. We are people who put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't put my faith in me. I, I mess everything up. And you're like, oh, no, that's not true. No, get to know me. I'm a messed up dude. I mess things up. And I'm grateful that I can come before Him and I know these things. And Jesus says that the works of God are a growing love for Jesus and a growing understanding of who He is in all His glory. You're like, what? All right, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I come into relationship with Jesus. I spend time with Him. What are you telling me God's going to do that makes such a big difference in my life? That. A growing love with the Creator of all things. And a growing understanding of who He is. Uh, Paul has this hymn of Christ in Philippians 2, 5-11 through when he abstracts something for us. And he says all these things about letting the same attitude that was in Jesus be in you. And then he goes through all these things and he says, but verse 11, but then Jesus, who's been given that name that's above every name, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. What is he enraptured with? The glory of God. He's like saying, he's so enraptured with it. He says things where you're like, if you were praying with the Apostle Paul, because like, you know, he's leading that prayer in church, it could get awkward at times because he would be like praying wonderful things. You're like, that is some beautiful poetry. That dude can say some stuff. And then he says, and let us share in the sufferings of Christ. Hold on, time out. That, that's, that prayer is getting a little uncomfortable, Paul. And Paul's like, man, God is trying to restore brokenness. And the best spot we could be is in the midst of the suffering of this world, showing them there's hope in Him. And we just share in the sufferings of Christ by running into the brokenness, running into the fire, and helping all who we can. If you're looking for a religion of comfort, you're like, uh, yeah, well, you know, over at this church, we just talk about having a better marriage. And Paul's like, no, there's just more. There's understanding to grow in. But I would say this, if you and I define the works of God without the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we will habitually be shamed or even disappointed and disappointed, or you will succeed and be an arrogant, self-sufficient, religious fool. And that's a scary thought too, isn't it? Like if we don't, if we try to do this without God's Spirit, if we we try to just kind of like mankind this thing, we're either going to be disappointed, shamed, because we can't measure up, or we're going to actually succeed at it, and then we're going to, oh yeah, let me tell you what God wants everybody to know. No one's listening to that person. 
It's like, will the real, real religious person please sit down? Please sit down. Please sit down. Both are hatred to the lost world. The angry, judgmental Christian is hatred to the lost world. And the person that says, we just affirm everything. No one is wrong. Let's have teddy bears and lollipops for all. And the lost world says, could you both go sit down? We're not listening right now. Right? As we understand these things, this is what Jesus is leaning into. If I'm bringing it to your world, this is what he's saying. Because he says, there's nothing for you to do. There's something for you and someone to believe in, and it's me. Turn to me. Follow me. Secondly, we find in 35 through 50, that phrase, I am the bread of life. Now, Jesus just straight up says it. Doesn't pull any blows. And in fact, there's seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Every time he says, I am something, it enrages these people that are religious and very high and mighty in what they think. I mean, it really just stirs the pot. He says, uh, like, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Really why it's stirring them up though, because you're like, well, those aren't phrases that bother me. However, Exodus 3, which we won't turn to, is this passage where God is telling Moses to go confront Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Moses is like, listen, I don't really talk real well. God, I don't know what you're doing calling me. I got a little bit of an issue with speech. And not only that, if I get in there, and they're like, what God tells you this? He says, you tell them Yahweh sends you. You tell them I am who I am. Uh, that's weird for us. Uh, if I said, Lee Kemp, be who Lee Kemp is. That's who he is. Don't you know we're about to go to blows, right? Like, you're like, I don't even know why, but I'm about to fight him, right? Like, literally, like, who sent me? Who sent me? The, the I am sent me. Literally, he, God gives in the Hebrew his personal name. God says, I be who I be. That is who I am. Huh. Something powerful about to go down. However, God is sharing something here. He is saying, I am consistent. I have always been what I always will be, and I am not defined by outside sources. Pharaoh, I'm not looking for your affirmation so that you can go, oh, you really are a great God. Yes, we should do this. God's like, no, nah, that's not how we don't, we don't play that way. I am who I am. I am Yahweh. This is so holy to God's people, they would often not say that name. Uh, when they would spell it, sometimes they would leave out vowels. They really respected that name. Because in their heritage, in their identity, when God drops that, something real is going down. And Jesus is here just saying, I am. I am. I am. 
I, I, I am. I am. You get it? You get what they're going? When they see this and they hear it, 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 it throws them upside down and the pocket change of their religion is now turned upside down. And if you reflect back on verses 49 and 50, you can remember even as we look at that and we read that uh, in the text here where he says, uh, your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. And this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. He's reflecting back on the picture of, of what we find in Exodus. Where they had been called out as God's people. Out of bondage. What a beautiful picture, right? For us even today. Where God led them into a land. A promised land. A, a place He has for them. What a, even a beautiful picture for us. The Exodus, the Passover, the wilderness, the promised land. And so they just say this. They're like, well, Moses. Okay, you're going to bring up Moses. Like, they care in this thing. You're going to bring up Moses. What sign? I'm sorry if you're a Karen, by the way, today. If you're a first-time guest, we love all Karens. By the way, all right, so don't email me, please. I love you, all right? So uh, they're like, Moses gave us signs. What will you give us to prove it? And Jesus, literally, Moses didn't give you anything. My father did. What? That's like the divine peacock move right there. Literally, Jesus, Moses, you're going to bring up Moses? Moses didn't give you nothing. I love it. I love it. And if we look back into the philosophy of humanity, we continually do this. We continually do it. We are all trying to do something with this existential, or existential, that's a word that's hard for me, angst within us, but I, I didn't know another word. Like it, It's like, this is what we're longing for. What am I here for? What is life about? How am I going to pursue the things that really seem to matter to me? And God's invitation continually is, in the Scriptures, me. I want you to know me. We are meant to do this together, right? Just the two of us, right? Listen to Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. What's up with milk and wine going together? But whatever. Verse 2 Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And you, your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me and hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Jesus is like pulling out what, what he, they've already been told. Uh, if that one isn't enough. Uh, Jeremiah 9. 23-24, through 24, when the, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I'm the Lord, who practices self-steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. This is what he's saying, he's like, man, just... Understand and know me. About Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah pulls, pulls out his heart again. 
And here he shares with them, and he says in verse 3, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. And you go, man, those are wonderful words. I be- hey, preacher, what happened when God told them all that? Let me tell you. Nothing. They didn't do it. Not a one. Jeremiah, beautiful things. Hey, y'all ought to get right with God. God really wants to know y'all. He really wants to do some stuff in your life. He's really going to bring some peace. going to do some things. going to show you some hidden things. Who's in? Nah, fam, we're out. That's it. He's a weeping prophet. So there's these common wells that we do the same thing before we judge these people. Because we do. We run to some things. What, what do we run to? We run to a better version of yourself. I currently am trying to prove myself in some categories, right? Namely, not being the biggest preacher on planet Earth. Literally, not big in popularity, big in size, right? right? A better version of yourself. How many of us literally see people, or you yourself, we're chasing those things? Someone else who might satisfy you. You know? If you're single, you're like, dude, I need that holy hottie, right? Like, if I, get, if I could just get a girl you know, to like me for the first time, right? I'm just joking, right? Then life will be better. But how many seriously are looking for joy from their spouse? It's a high pressure to put on your spouse. Three, stuff that might satisfy you. Literally, you're like, man, it would just be so much better for us if we could do this. Just stopping right here on the three, though. Think about this. We literally do this a lot, more than you're probably going to want to admit, uh, but it's like kids with candy. Have you ever watched kids with like candy, especially like grandparent authority level, where like literally the word no will not be said, and so kids are like, can I have this? Absolutely. Can I have that too? You betcha, right? What could we, you know, they're like, they come to you drunk on candy, right? Literally, can't even sit still. It's not their fault. It's the grandparents, right? And then literally what happens if a kid has gorged themselves on candy, they literally puke it. I mean, just spew. And usually not at a good moment. And so often, this is what these three things for us are. A belly full of candy, tasting sweet, but betraying you in the end. They leave us disappointed. They leave us frustrated. They leave us shameful. We're the false belief that Jesus doesn't work. And I want to say this. These aren't bad things. I literally should strive for a better version of myself. They just can't be the ultimate thing. And not only that, I would say that these things are often good things. They just land without God which then leads to more brokenness if that is how we're going at it. So we have to say, well, what does the Scripture say about me and my temple? Well, it talks about not being involved in gluttony. Like everybody in the church wants to talk about taboos or something in life. Nobody wants to talk about all the gluttony that you see, right? Like you hear people talk about, well, we shouldn't be doing that and this and this. And then you're like, yeah, but y'all keep eating buckets of chicken. Literally, every time you meet, it's buckets of chicken. That is sinful too. Stop the fried food. Stop it. Literally, stop. We, I just got to tell you this week, because some of you look like you need like a timeout. I went to the store 
before the frost, right? And apparently, everybody in the club wanted tater tots. Can't find tater tots. What am I craving? Tater tots. You're like, you are that size for me. I am. And so I get to the harps, like third stop, <laughs> harps, because I'm like, we did need this for a meal. And so, and so I was like, we're going to find it. And I get there, and there's like two bags. And I'm like, yup, they're mine, and that's it. And then I'm like, but there's only like a bag of fries. Didn't need that, but I'm like, yup, we'll take you. And it's like literally like you're like, they're like they're, they're refugees being left behind. I'll take you too, and, and you and you. And we get home, and Andy found our, our little fryer thing, and we ate because we're locked in. Fried tater tots. The only problem is, I think I kind of ate myself into a sickness, to be honest. This whole staying in the house, not for me. This is what happens when we chase these things. Like, are you chasing the candy of this life? Or are you taking in the bread of life? Are you chasing candy? Or are you eating the manna from heaven? Common questions would be like this. Am I good enough? Am I lovable? How good would it be when this happens? Or even lastly, which informs our last thing, which is, if I do this, will God do this? And this is what ends up leading us because religion is the last one. Religion that might satisfy you. And what I mean by this is like religious exercises that make other people see that you're a good person and you hope God sees that you're a good person. And so you'll do these things so you can be seen in that light. And these things are detrimental to us, but it's, it's the, the, just the impression of how we look at our world and we stroll through Instagram and we see life not realizing there was a filter put on it. And we go, man, I wish I could be like this. I wish I could have what this person has. And the whole time it's leading to depression, anxiety, and all these things. And Jesus is just here saying, listen, if you want manna, if you want substance, I am it. And so these guys are trying to check a scorecard that God doesn't even care about. Thirdly, the verses 52 through 59, Jesus just says, Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Now, we're privileged because looking back, uh, we're not where these people are. But you must know, this actually was used in the ancient Near East as the propaganda that Christian people were cannibals. Like, hey, you join that tribe, you believe what they believe, they're going to eat you. You don't believe me? Look right here. Jesus, their follower, literally said, take a bite out of me. Literally. That's what he said. Look at it. They pull it out of context, and people are like, man, I don't, well, I was going to believe. He seemed like a nice guy, but if he's going to eat me later on, I won't. This is how that went down. The, the thing is, we have the fuller picture. Uh, what Jesus is pointing us to is the Lord's table, but not just the Lord's table, but what's underneath or behind the Lord's table. The idea of union with Christ. And the New Testament, it is littered, littered with the idea of union with Christ. And in Christ literally means union with Christ. One guy says it this way. In Christ is an expression of intimate interrelatedness, analogous to the air that is breathed. It is in the person, yet at the same time the person is in it. 
The way he points this out is interesting to me, but also the scriptures pointed out are interesting to me. It's found eight times in Galatians. 34 times in Ephesians. 18 times in Colossians. It is used as an instrumental device of like how God does blank is in Christ. Uh, it is used in descriptive ways. We are the sons and daughters of God in Christ. Can I just say it this way? The big idea of Scripture is that I am in Christ and He is in me. This is it. This might be weird, but it's the defining reality of my life that I, Lee Kemp, have been crucified with Christ and no longer live. But the life Lee lives in the body, he lives by faith in the Son of God who loved Lee, gave himself for Lee. He saw Lee on a path of brokenness and said, I love you. I've come to make all things whole. And that includes you if you'll follow me. This is important because it is our source of strength. This is, if I could even be more real, how you see people can be broken, but not without hope. If I look across this room, and it, you know, you're like, well, you know, Lee, if I was where you are, I could do what you're talking about because it seems like you don't really go through a lot of heartache. And I'm like, really? The, the thing about comparing stuff is if I was to go around this room, there could be testimony after testimony just in this room of how God has led you through some of the most difficult times of brokenness, but you were not without hope. And He was the thing that gave you the strength. For me, it looks like this. This is my mom and my dad. These are the people who brought me into the world. Uh, this is my dad with an oxygen thing on his nose, whether you can see that or not. We're at Ed Walker's eating greasy burgers. What's up? You know? And so as we're sitting there, uh, my brothers to my left, we spent a lot of time with my dad, especially because we had a diagnosis that he wasn't going to live very long. You also have to know mom is kind of losing some of her short-term memory. And so like she's caring for him, he's caring for her. It's kind of a bad situation, but that's what was was. Um, and then... You know, you fast forward, um, this is what I remember about mom and dad. This is dad before oxygen. This is dad just being in the kitchen. That's mom with hair coloring, right? That's mom with more weight, right? When she was eating and, and, and things are going. And then literally, August 29th, 2021, I get this call. My mom says, hey, I don't think your dad's doing well. And, and I'm, I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's check his oxygen line. It, you know, it's been bent before and different things. And earlier in the day, my dad said, hey, I found it. You don't have to come over. It, there was a kink in my line. Oh, okay, Dad. Hey, that's good. I'm glad you're doing good, Dad. Good to hear. And now mom's calling saying, hey, I don't think he's doing well. Well, mom, is his belly moving up and down? Is he doing okay? Yeah, yeah, he is. I get a call a couple hours later. Honey, actually, I don't, I don't know. Mom, I'm on my way. I go home. And I'm sharing this just so you can just understand I'm still a broken man. But as soon as I walked in the house, I could just tell when he was sitting in his recliner the way he was, the way his head was tilted. My dad was gone. And I walked around, and there he is in his recliner. He's dead. Sadly, it probably happened two hours before. 
And the last thing he said was, call Lee. She said, well, he just said call you, so I did. It's okay, Mom. It's okay. Then they take my dad out of the garage, and I text my brother, and it's like, Dad's leaving the garage, the shop, the last time. And that leaves me still caring for Mom. This is, you know, Valentine's Day, and I'm seeing her. But even more recently, just the moments of, of clarity that come and go for her, and and I'm having lunch with her, and, and I'm like, hey, hey, I really don't want you like walking <laughs> places and things. You understand that? You know, like, just need, you know, you live on a busy, this is a busy road over here, mom. Yeah, I know. You know, I used to ride my bike. I understand that road. I just don't, don't really want you doing it. And she says, oh, your parents used to let you ride your bike to school? Yeah, yeah, they did. A few minutes later, I was supposed to know that, wasn't I? Yeah, mom, you were. It's okay. It's okay. How do you get through these things? And I'm going to tell you right now, if it's Lee's willpower, I'm about to cave in. In fact, just being even more honest, pastorally, the people that I've known that have been turned up in their life, literally stuck into drunkenness or, or just things that, that were hard for them, it was when they lost someone, a parent or a loved one. This stuff ruins people's life for seasons. And the only way I know to get through this is not Lee. Like, God, I have to come back to you, Lord. I have to think about it. Even last night, I was sitting there laying in my bed thinking about this. Like, God, you know, like, I just pray you continue to work in my heart because I cannot think, not think about that night. Can I just tell you something? Christianity is not just about God's forgiveness. It is about union with God. Here he is saying, I want you to know me. It is not just about being forgiven by me. And their answer is, yeah, Jesus, that's a hard sank. And it is. You know, you can feed us, Lord. You can heal the sick. You can even teach some good sermons. But you saying you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords and like you're it, like in the totality of everything, that's hard. And Jesus is saying, guys, all I'm saying is these identities that you're trying to find yourself in, your identity needs to be in me. I am the one that gives life. I'm the one who does these things. And the last thing I'll say is this. Religion, without the focus of Jesus, just gives people metrics by which they can judge others. And that's scary stuff. I think there can be people, listen to me, they can have a love for the Father, but not have the Spirit of Jesus. What is this? The Old Testament. They didn't know Jesus the way Jesus is saying, I am who I am. Don't take Christianity and kind of like Iron Man this thing where you pull it up and you pull a little bit of this out and a little bit of this out and a little bit of this out. Take in the whole of Scripture, my friend. Embrace it because literally a religion without the focus of Jesus is only going to make people who are judgmental. And Jesus literally says this in John 3.17. Not 16. Everybody knows 16. 
He loved the world. You gave His Son. You believe in Him. You have life. 17. And I have come not to condemn the world, but that through me the world might be saved. How do we understand this? In Christ. What did we sing about today? In Christ alone. Here's my question. Are you chasing the candy? Or are you eating the bread? Are you going for the cheap stuff? The quick surge of the sugar? Or the work of the Spirit of God in your life? Sustaining you. Leading you where you can be broken at times. But not without hope. Let's pray together. God, I just pray that we've been an encouragement. I pray as we open these Scriptures, we would catch these things. That Lord, in Christ, You are for us, not against us. That in Christ, You're giving us peace, not burdens. And I pray if there's someone, Lord, today that needs to experience that, that Lord, Your Spirit would draw them to a place where they could know that. God, I pray that You would continue to speak to their soul. Lord, I pray for believers. I pray those that maybe are right where even I am right now. Just hurting. It just seems like you're in a constant fog of war. And it gets tiring at times. Yet, Lord, we thank you that your presence, your abiding presence, is everything to us. And so, God, we love you. Pray you'd move in our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you're here today, you're a, believer, you're a believer. My encouragement to you, friend, is rest in Jesus, praise Jesus, maybe cast a care to Him, maybe ask Him for wisdom, because all those things happen in Christ. But if you're here today and you say, "Man, like I, I want in this because I really realize I need it," I'm like you, Lee. I mess up things. I don't think I can get this thing right anymore. Welcome to the club. You know, what do I do? You call out on him in prayer and you literally define that relationship by saying, God, I realize what you're doing here. I realize what you've done through Christ and the best I know how, I surrender. I trust you. I want to follow you. I'm not going to live in my own willpower anymore. I'm asking you to move in my life. And you just say in the name of Jesus. Like, what does that do? Starts a relationship with the Lord. It is your red line to the one who has all answers. Do you have it? Why not? What keeps you from it? If I can pray for anyone, I'll be here. We're just going to have a time to let these truths marinate over us. If you need anything, you let me know.